Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Coming up is Julia Griffin stepping in as guest host of the Dr. Pat Show on 1150 AM KKNW and TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hello, everyone. I'm Julia Griffin, and I'm subbing today for Dr. Pat. Welcome to the show. We have a wonderful guest, Dr. Sarah Bamford Seidelman. She's helping us find methods of letting our lives get better through our spiritual connection. We're going to talk about lots of techniques and small things you can do to get there and how to move ahead on your spiritual path. So stay tuned and let me tell you about Sarah. She is a, or was, a fourth-generational physician living in a nature-starved, hectic lifestyle until a walrus entered her life and changed everything. She's a practicing shamanic mentor and woman of medicine and leads transformational travel retreats around the world. She's also the author of several popular books, including The Book of Beasties, Swimming with Elephants, and How Good Are You Willing to Let It Get. Sarah resides in northern Minnesota near Lake Superior with her family and two dogs. And you can find her at followyourfeelgood.com. So welcome, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Julia. A delight to be here. I wondered if we could start with how you made your transition from a medical doctor to a shaman. Um, as an intuitive, I know a lot of my friends made a similar shift, but it's pretty big to move from the normal world into the spiritual world. Could you tell our listeners <laughs> how you did it and how they might do the same? Yeah. Well, like many things, um, it wasn't something that I knew was coming. It's sort of how it happened for me was this transition began with feeling kind of disconnected at my work um, in my medical practice. I started feeling sort of less engaged or less um, in love with my work. I mean, I had loved my work for a long time, but um, I, during the, where it really particularly was the strong feeling of discomfort growing in me was um, during a, a conference we would have weekly where we would present all the newly diagnoses. Uh, diagnosed cases of breast cancer and we would sit in this room and there were like I don't know 30 people there the radiologists the surgeons the oncologists the social workers nurses everybody who took care of the patient was there and I would be presenting the the diagnostics or the tumor details you know how aggressive the tumor looked and the staging and things like that and I remember every once in a while in that conference somebody would raise their hand and say you know this this patient, um, you know, doesn't have any family at all. They're living in a rural area. They have no social support whatsoever and, um, you know, have no way to get to uh, their chemotherapy, for example. Or another person would raise a hand and say, you know, this person is living with an abusive partner and is feeling extremely stressed. And 
often when these things would get brought up, somebody would say, you know, there's not a lot of time today. We have to get through many cases. So can you hold that conversation for it's an important conversation, but can we have it later? And I remember thinking, wow, like what if we had circled the wagons around some of these patients, um, you know, and provided with them with, you know, love and support in a tight knit community, like would that have made a difference? Um, and I knew that wasn't something we could study with a double blind study or something like that. And I remember thinking, okay, you're crazy, Sarah, just focus on what you're doing here in the pathology and don't worry about it. But I started to wonder like, what makes health possible? You know, my, my whole job as a pathologist was to hunt for disease, but I started wondering like, what makes people well? Um, eventually after feeling so much discomfort at work, I started thinking, what is wrong with me? Like, Nobody else seems to be feeling the way I am. And I finally sought a life coach out. Um, and through working with her, I was able to eventually give myself the opportunity to take a sabbatical from work. And that summer <laughs> was kind of, mm -hmm. I like to call it my radical sabbatical because I ended up spending a lot of time outside in the woods and some strange things started to happen. Like um, one of the things is I stumbled into this, I ran into a book at a, at a bookstore, you know, when I was traveling one weekend that, you know, how people talk about a book, like falling off the shelf. It didn't exactly fall off the shelf, but it really called my name. And I was like, what is this book? And this book was, uh, Ted Andrews book all about spirit animals. And I bought it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Why am I buying this book? Sounds, what a strange idea. The idea that animals could give you guidance, like that just flew in the face of everything I thought I knew. But when I read it, it just really hit something really deep in me. And I started to work with those ideas. Um, the idea, and again, that, you know, wild animals that cross our path may have wisdom to share with us. <laughs> um, and the other thing that happened to me, just spending a lot of time in the woods that summer, I remember sitting by a marsh one day, and this marsh, I was just sort of relaxing there, and all these cattails were kind of blowing back and forth. And suddenly I was just taken with the idea that it seemed that the the wind and the, and the cattails were kind of trying to tell me something, that they were trying to communicate with me, which... I walked away from that experience thinking either a I'm crazy or I've just discovered like the coolest thing ever. And this is so neat. Like there's this other aspect of the universe that I never noticed. Um, so those are some of, some of the things that happened. And as I became more curious about spirit animals and this idea that animals, you know, that we're interconnected with the whole, everything that's happening around us. Um, eventually after a couple of years time, I had took courage to eventually step away from my practice fully to pursue um, shamanic training and to explore those worlds. Right. And then that's the direction that your life went in. I, I awakened yeah. and I said, I really wanted to teach her and guess what? Wolves showed up and I could hear everything they said in their minds, which leads me to the next question. They were always telling me to meditate. And when I would sit with them and visit with them, Sometimes they would just lie down in a circle and I could feel them focus on thoughts and focus on connection. And I noticed in your mm. book, how good are you willing to let it get? You have the same thing all through your book. You're constantly receiving the message to meditate. Yeah. You know, there's almost a yeah. pressure to do that. And so, and so <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you could tell our listeners a little bit about this because it's really a lot more important than what people, a lot more important than what most people think. Yeah, it's so neat to hear you share that, that that's what the wolves um, showed you or the spirits, these wolves and spirits. Um, when I was on, not too long after my sabbatical had, was over, I remember 
one of the big fears was I'm like, how am I going to make money or how are we going to keep, you know, put our kids through college? If I quit my job to pursue this other path, how's that going to work? And I remember asking by this time I had connected with spirits that I could actually communicate with through shamanic journeying, which we can talk about. But anyway, I, w- I remember journeying and asking the question, how can I become financially independent? You know, meaning we have the money we need and I don't need to stress about this anymore. And I can just follow whatever path I'm supposed to be following without worry about money. And the teaching again and again was <laughs> sit and meditate. And I'd be like, okay. And a couple of weeks would go by, I would try it and I would have no patience with it. And then I would quit. And then I would go back to them again and say, oh, please tell me, like, how can I be free from this angst over money? And they would say, like, sit on a lotus already, you know, like, and then I'd be embarrassed because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not listening to this. You know, I sort by then I had some reverence and I was sort of like, oh, this is kind of rude of me to keep asking. Like, I should just listen to them and, and take their advice. Well, that's another really important point. You know, people will say to me, I just keep getting this one message no matter what I do, but they don't act <laughs> on the message. And right. that's not an abnormal right. thing that happens to everyone <laughs> until it finally gets down to like three or four messages that are so pressing that it's unbelievable. And you do it. Yes. Uh, yes, I hope that I hope that people eventually get to that point. I just had somebody the other day who was a client, and it was at the end of the session, she said, when it was all done, I said, well, do you have any questions? She said, wow, you're the fourth person who told me blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> but, like, maybe fourth time is the charm. You know? Right. Um, like, but, but let's let really them know these it? things that, that keep coming up if you really want to get into a better life you're going to have to at least act on one or two of them yeah right and that's the scary part kind of stepping into the unknown and and meditation is one of those things that on the outside it's like it seems so unproductive to sit for 20 minutes in silence and also it's not easy to do like it brings up a lot of it can bring up a lot of discomfort emotions you're not really wanting to feel whatever it is right uh, yeah the, the thoughts of everything you haven't already done. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did have a friend who told point. me one time when you're do when your to do list appears and you want to get up and go feed the dog or put something in the mailbox. No, you're seconds away from deep meditation. Don't give up those. Don't give into those <laughs> thoughts. And I always thought that was great advice. Yeah. But when you're talking yeah. about the unknown, That's so important for a lot of people. I keep hearing um, people saying, I don't really want to commit to anything. I don't know what I'm going to do because everything is uncertain. But, I mean, that can be a great thing, right? Right. I mean, I think that's usually sort of the beginning of the hero's journey is, like, to say yes to whatever's calling you. Um, In fact, I was just doing a little writing about that this morning. I was recalling it was like a writing prompt, which was, you know, remember recall a time where you were extremely uncertain but you took action anyway and I was remembering actually just after my sabbatical I had uh, a fellow coach and I had gotten together and um, decided that we wanted to have a retreat in Hawaii we just imagined this idea and I don't really know where the courage came from but we booked like a Airbnb (laughs) put the deposit (laughs) down and we like launched like with some you know words on a website hey would you like to come to our retreat and we got I believe we had three people sign up. So we didn't make money on the deal. In fact, we were paying to be there, but it was so profoundly, I learned so much. And 
had so many deep experiences on that adventure. And that was completely unknown, like whether I had what it took to to be a teacher or to run a retreat. I mean, I had no clue how to run a retreat. I could, I could knew how to take care of four kids and, you know, get through a Saturday <laughs> at home. But uh, so I think that's, you know, the, that's what it, you know, the hero's journey is that stepping into that dark forest, not knowing what's going to happen. You but know, will it be good? Will it be bad? Yeah. Yeah. That it's calling yeah, you for some reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's go to break in just a second. Let me tell everyone we've been talking with Dr. Sarah Bamford Seidelman, a physician who changed her life path to become a successful shaman and author, and how you can do it as well. We're sharing some of the things that we know so you can move into a similar space. And when we come back, we're going to talk about spirit animals and more. Um, if you'd like for us to pull a card for you or talk to you, let us know when we come back. It's amazingly helpful and interesting, so wait for us, and we'll be back right after the break. Join the new Earth on the Cornelia Stephanie Show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author, and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Hello, friends. I am Terry J. Walker with the I Am Power Hour, and here is your soul-stretching success tip of the day. Two very important and life-changing words, I am. I have an alphabet game I wanted to share with you today. Start with the letter A and come up with as many positive words as you can think of and place those affirmative I am words before them. For example, I am abundant. Move to the letter B and do the same thing. I am beautiful and so on. This requires you to actually focus on coming up with positive words and learn to state your affirmations with conviction, validation, and focus. Begin to say them numerous times a day. Learn to say them with feeling and belief and you will begin to see your confidence, your focus, and your self-worth evolve. Hope you have a beautiful, successful day and I'll see you next time. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Coming up is Julia Griffin stepping in as guest host of The Dr. Pat Show on 1150 AM KKNW and TransformationTalkRadio.com. And I'm subbing for Dr. Pat today. I'm very happy to have Dr. Sarah Bamford Settlement with us. She's going to tell us about spirit animals. And for those of you who are already on your spiritual path and experiencing your journey, you're going to love this. And it will give you more details if you already know something about it. So stay with us and learn more. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your book, The Book of Beasties, and the importance of animals and their appearance in our lives. Yes. Well, the Book of Beasties is sort of the, um, it's a sort of big illustrated encyclopedia, which has, um, I think it's over 150 animals in there, wild animals. And, you know, different, basically when I wrote this book, I kind of opened a ceremony and invited all the wild animals that wanted to be part of it to share their medicine. And so there's a two-page spread on each beastie. Um you know, sharing what what it wanted to, through me, share with everyone. Um, so there's sort of a main message, there's some affirmations, and then there's just details like what chakra it wanted to be associated, what practice might you do if you want to connect with this animal, if you're having struggle with work or wellness or creativity or relating with somebody or even looking for love, you know, what might that BC share with you? So it's kind of a lot of different ways you can interact. Um, but what I've discovered is that the, the wild animals are a powerful source um, of wisdom and power and guidance for us as humans, which, as I was saying, when I was back in med- practicing medicine, that sounded like an absolutely ludicrous idea. But all I can say is that 10 years later, I fully embr- I feel that, and it's probably one of the first things I suggest to most of my clients that come to me that they begin to make a forge a connection if they don't already have one. Um, and it's thought that the, the spirit animals basically share the love and compassion of the universe with us, which is a pretty esoteric idea, but it's the idea that they fill us with this power and this love and this compassion so that we can do the things that we came here to do uh, and share our own medicine, which of course for each of us is very unique. Um, but sh- maybe we should just let's let's like let's let a beastie speak for all of us. So like I'm going to sure. just, uh, ask the book to share with us by opening to a page, um, a beastie that everybody who's listening to now or to the recording later needs, and we'll just see who it is. Aha! So funny because we were just talking about um, stillness and meditation, and who should show up but praying mantis. Um, and the themes of praying mantis, this, you know, this little beautiful, typically green uh, insect are stillness, precision, patience, and prudence. And Julia, should I just read, maybe I'll just read the one, there's like sure. one little paragraph. So oh, praying great. mantis stands in stillness alongside you, blending imperceptibly with his surroundings. He's here to remind you that your success has nothing to do with anything external. It is a way of being inside yourself that you must develop. There's an old story from China in which a monk witnessed a bird diving down to eat a praying mantis who was sitting on a branch. 
The mantis looked so thin and vulnerable, the bird thought she'd found a free lunch. But the mantis stood his ground and fought back with such ferocity that the much larger bird gave up. Praying mantis is here to teach you that when you develop a ferocious focus, there is no foe you cannot defeat. Praying mantis's message is not about being colorful, showy, or aggressive. Instead, he is muted, humble, and extremely economical with his use of energy. Through meditation, <laughs> you can develop the fierce focus of praying mantis. And it's time to stop exhausting yourself and pursuing success out there, in quotation marks. With praying mantis's help, instead, draw what you need to you with the power of stillness. That's hilarious. Wow, thank it's you, perfect. Praying it's everything mantis. we've talked about. <laughs> totally. And I think that's the message I get again and again from the spirits. And boy, for somebody like me who's like wants to do everything but meditate most days. <laughs> right. Um, but I do it because I know the the, the deep advantage of it. Um, yeah. So, and then one trick yeah, that, and, that sometimes works with the meditation is I ask, what does my inner self want me to do? And usually meditation is the easiest of the three or four messages that I receive. Hmm. I love that. What does my inner self want me to do? I love that. That's a beautiful mm -hmm. question to ask. And then I say after half an hour, okay, I'm done for at least five or six hours. I'll come back to this. And I really want to come back. And so I come back and I do it again. But that initial time, I give myself a break, you know, like, you don't have to come back to this for five or six hours. You're fine. But then right. that makes you right. want to do it again. Yeah, because the more you do it, the more meditation becomes a really sweet refuge and something that you yearn, you kind of yearn for <laughs> mm -hmm. in the beginning. And then let, it can let, be hard. let's take that back to the animals. You know, when you meditate, you are so much more likely to see these spirit animals because, as you were saying, they carry qualities, they carry frequencies. And when you're deeper, they appear so you can absorb a specific frequency just as we did with the praying mantis you know the yeah, natural world at some point begins to reflect how we feel and if we feel it deeply through meditation that's like 10 times the experience absolutely and i think um what i noticed i with the just noticing the animals that cross your path every day can be a very beautiful pure awareness practice that is a lot of fun so um, that's kind of what I started doing. And once you start paying attention to the animals that are, first you might think, well, I live in New York City or I live in L.A. I mean, the only animals I see are like, you know, an occasional pigeon or whatever. But once you start paying attention, it's crazy. And sometimes animals are completely out of place, too. You know, like what, are, yes. what is a deer doing in my suburban garden? But there it is. Yes. And also they can come to us in dreams. They can come to us in objects that people give to us. We can see them on billboards, on Facebook. I mean, like sometimes by the third time you've seen a moose-like video on your Facebook for the day, you know, that can be the message. Like, okay, moose is speaking to me. What might it have to say? Um, yeah. So awareness awareness is really the, the primary um, focus of the, the shamanic tradition really is just learning to be aware of what's going on. A heightened awareness. I was going to add for people who are listening, if you want to call in and ask for a card, Sarah will be glad to do that for you. Were you going to read us some information on September 1st? 
Yes. So my latest book that just came out on June 1st is called How Good Are You Willing to Let It Get? It's daily feel-good inspiration for creatives, helpers, and healers. And each day is sort of, it's like a little devotional that you can sit with your morning coffee and just read a page to get you sort of thinking about your day. And so for today, September 1st, the theme is love without words. And there's a message from my spirit animal, Alice, who is an elephant. And that's this. I'll share that. Touch, a skill that elephants possess with considerable chops, is one of the most, the more, excuse me, the more important tools you can develop. Of course, you must ask permission first, but once you have it, let your hands become instruments of tenderness, a massage, a caress, or simply resting your hand warmly on another's shoulder fosters connection, safety, and belonging without saying a word, excuse me, without saying a word. And then there's a reflection from me. One of my dearest shamanic teachers is a master of the sacred touch that Alice speaks of. During a healing with this shamanic teacher, I always feel as though I'm the most precious being that ever existed on the planet. She lets her students know this wordlessly with her tender touches. Being mostly Norwegian as I am, descended from people not known for their affectionate nature, I'm working to more deeply develop this powerful tool of sacred touch. Who could you practice your tender touches on today? And the prayer is, dear God, remove any awkwardness or lack of confidence from my ability to bring comfort to another with my gentle touch. Can let's and which not, is funny in a oh, pandemic. <laughs> I know. Well, I was going to say people can touch their animals. Yes, for sure. And I think um, touching on the shoulder, like I know I've been doing some elbow bumps with people and, and touching in different ways. Um, and yes, our animals and our, and, and those who, if you're, if you are, you know, in a small bubble with a few people, like not remembering that we desperately need that. I think now more than ever. I agree. And <laughs> I was going to say for all of us who have children, I think that when you think about touching them when they were small, we actually transfer energy with that. You know, they yes, can feel that's... us thinking about it and receive the energy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just the, the littlest touch can mean so much. Um, I know that I've experienced that, you know, sometimes my husband will just put his hand on my back and it's like, wow, it just, it means a, a great deal to know that you're supported, that you're loved, that, um, yeah, that somebody's got you. So that's a good one. And of course, elephants are so amazing with their touch. They have those trunks where they're, you know, they connect with each other. They, touch each other's faces when they haven't seen each other in a while to greet each other. Um, they really know how to use that. And I was going to say like uh, one of the most powerful things you can do for those of you who are listening and maybe aren't sure who your spirit animal is, is really to, yeah, just take a little time to explore that journal about it. Or I have a meditation on my website that you can download um, or you can listen to there to, uh, discover who your spirit animal have an opportunity to discover who your spirit animal is because you know maybe it's an elephant or maybe it's a rabbit or maybe it's a, a snake or a snail but whoever it is um, it will be perfect for you and will show up for you in a way that you need to uh, to see them if that makes sense <laughs> it does to me <laughs> but I mean spirit animals mm -hmm. do show up when you really need them and probably everyone has one spirit animal they've had their entire lives. So sometimes reflecting on dreams that you had as a child are useful, too. 
Yeah, or sometimes we've been collecting those our whole lives, or you know, people have maybe nicknamed us by the animal's name. There's so many neat ways, and yeah, I talk about that in the book. Yeah, so we've been talking with Dr. Sarah Seidelman about the role of animals and spirit animals in our lives. When we come back, we're going to talk about moving through limitations and expanding into the better parts of life. She'll tell us more and share some incredible insights when we come back. So let's go to break now. Hi, everyone. I'm the host of Nothing But Now, Mindful Living with Dr. Mary Angela McGuire on Transformation Talk Radio. I share ideas, insights, and tools you can use to release yourself from fearful and negative thinking and live from a place of clarity and confidence. Please join me in each show where we challenge ourselves to change together. Please go to my website, mcguirelifecoach.com. That's mcguirelifecoach.com. See you next time. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. A word of caution. If you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Coming up is Julia Griffin stepping in as guest host of The Dr. Pat Show on 1150 AM KKNW and TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Julia Griffin, and I'm talking with Dr. Sarah Bamford-Seidelman, an author, physician, and shaman. She's going to tell us more about spirit animals and moving into a happier state of being. It's great information, so stay with us. 
So, Sarah, I want to know about your walrus spirit animal or experience. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yes. Well, when I was, when I, that summer, that radical sabbatical summer, and I just understood this idea or read about it that, you know, a spirit animal could help you and which one, you know, just to pay attention to the ones that you're noticing. I happened to be in the store in our little downtown and there on the wall hanging was a taxidermied walrus head with these giant, like three foot long tusks. This thing was epic. It was so giant. And I remember just being absolutely magnetized with walrus. And I actually went back to the store twice thinking, well, I'm just going to kind of linger around and see, like, if it's trying to tell me something, like, is it going to speak to me? Like, even though it wasn't alive, I just had this magnetic pull <laughs> towards it. And I stood there for a while and nothing was really happening. So the next thing I did is I went on YouTube just to, like, learn more about walruses. So if you're feeling befuddled about an animal, this is something I recommend to people. And as I started watching these videos of walruses, one thing I noticed is they were just, um, you know, like really surrendered to the beach. Like they're laying there. Like if you're a nine, you know, a three ton, I don't know, they're, they're very large, <laughs> three ton walrus. Mm -hmm. Just imagine like how surrendered you are to the beach. And they were like, I could tell they were not like worried about a darn thing at all. They weren't like, oh, my gosh, the clams are going to run out. We better like quick, like anxiously go fishing or something. No, they were just so relaxed. And they were just grunting and groaning and like just being walruses, you know. And the other thing I learned about them in my lessons was that they are apex predators, meaning they don't have any competition in the natural world for the most part. The only beastie that will challenge a walrus is a polar bear. But they tend to avoid each other because it doesn't usually end well. And so when I put those two things together at the time, as you know, I was struggling, like, how am I supposed to do like how my vocation like what can I do I, I don't feel like being in medicine anymore this doesn't seem right and what the walrus seemed to be saying to me was you know if you could just manage to be yourself kind of surrender to who you are and just be that be Sarah as Sarah as you can possibly be um, you'll have no competition you know there will be very little competition for whatever it is you choose to do and um, that idea really gave me a lot of hope um, yeah, it didn't get me a publishing contract or anything like that. Those things were going to come after lots of hard work. And, but it gave me the inspiration to go, okay, well, maybe if I can just manage to be myself, I'm going to try to do that. And that's kind of how spirit works. You know, they give you hints, like, you know, a message. And then your job is to sort of take it out into the world and apply it to your life and see what happens. And that is really important. And I think this is one of the importance of animals. Somehow it's easier for us to see an animal and focus on that message than it is to necessarily bring bring in what you just heard in meditation. You know, I mean, if you see a deer and that's unconditional love, maybe your message that morning was to love yourself more. But if you think about the beauty and the grace of a deer and how gentle they are and that their strength and that that's sort of a different kind of message because you get at an emotional and physical level as well. Yes, and like for each person, it will be so unique. Like if you and I, Julia, were both staring at the same walrus or the same deer, we would both get something different and distinct, although there might be crossover. You know, often some of the themes that are, you know, are, are similar. So for those of you who are listening, you know, whatever animals crossed your path today, maybe once you, you know, kind of think about what, what's troubling you today and then ask yourself, like, how is that BC being? How is it behaving? What does it seem to be saying to you with its, with its 
the way it is being like, whether it's being active, whether it's just resting, what does it seem to be saying to you? And, and then just act on whatever that seems to be. Um, which, right. which might sound kind of crazy, but <laughs> I found it really helped me a lot. Me too. It, it made one of the biggest differences in my life because it's a different yeah. vibration or a different frequency from animals. One thing that you said in your book that I loved, your answer from your guides was, what would change if you trusted that all beings were tended by the great mystery? So tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I think one of the things as an empath um, that I've struggled with is, you know, worrying about the state of the world or the state of other people. You know, other there's always suffering going on. And and sometimes when it's, it's you know, it can be very hard, especially when it's happening to someone I love and care about. And what I've learned from the spirits is that whether it's, you know, the forest fires that are burning out of control in California and all the animals that that's impacting, or whether it's somebody dear to my heart right here in my hometown that's suffering, um, that these, these beings are being tended by spirit. And my job is to do what I can, you know, with my own hands, with my own heart, like from where I'm at, you know, because I can't save the world. That's not my work. That's God's work. But I can take actions, you know, I, I can pray, I can, um, sometimes I can bring a meal to somebody or I can, you know, send a letter. I can, there's things I can do that are actionable, but it's not my mm-hmm. job to uh, go save everything. That's, um, that's the job of spirit is to go be with everything. And, and so I think I've received that message again and again. Um, and I remember one of the, one of the, I don't remember which date, but there's one in there about like, Sarah, if you're going to kind of the message to me was like, if you're going to suffer because somebody else is suffering, then you damn well better spend as much time being joyful when that person is joyful. You know, you can't do just the one. You have to do both. Because <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we can get caught up and like if one person is suffering, we can't be happy. Um, but that's right. not what and some, has taught me. And, and sometimes I, I'm certainly not saying that we don't want to feel to some degree what other people are feeling, but sometimes I think experiencing joy and peace and connection to our own inner being emits a light that makes a difference. You know, and that's better yes. than worrying if we can't help. Yeah, it's like I love the analogy of the person who's drowning in the pool. Um, you want you don't want to jump in that pool and drown with them because that's not going to be helpful. So you want to be able to stand on the edge of the pool, not suffering, but being very grounded and just fine, okay, untroubled, <laughs> and then reach your hand out so that person has something to grab onto. Um, yeah, and sometimes we don't have control over that. Sometimes you're on a day where, wow, you're just going to dive in there and feel whatever it is they're feeling and you can't help yourself, but... If you want to be of help, <laughs> it's good to <laughs> ground yourself and uh, attempt to yeah let the spirits do the work. I wondered if you could share the way that you think is best for empaths to balance out with receiving and giving, because it's really easy to give too much. So easy to give too much. I think watch out be on the lookout for yourself for clues that you have you're already overtaxed (laughs) things like feeling irritated 
things like, um, you know, when somebody says something sad, you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to run away. Um, you know, just <laughs> those kind of feelings or resentments towards other people or jealousy of people who are seeming to having, having a good life. <laughs> those can be clues that you need a break and you need self-care. And he, as healers, you know, we need to be able to go to our own shamans, our own uh, Reiki people, our own body workers, like, on a regular basis to make sure that we're getting um, our issues and things talked out and, and, and worked on. And uh, yeah, it's so important uh, to do that and to sort of have a regular program of that. Um, I'm just embarking on a new sort of a new level of that this season. Cause I just felt like, yeah, it's time. Um, and it can, Definitely it can be it's easy time. because <laughs> Yeah, definitely time. If you didn't think of the time, if there was ever a time, right this is this is the time. Sure. If you're listening, get someone to send you healing energy. Do sessions with people. Work on yeah. your meditation. Use this as a time that you keep yourself really energized. I think. Yeah, that's what all the the great masters and the great medicine people are calling us to raise our vibration as high as we can, and if that means going and sitting in the woods for a few hours every day if it means yeah going to your favorite healer um building a fire in your backyard and sitting with that fire talking to the fire um just so many swimming in a lake or an ocean or a river those are great ways to raise your vibe listen to good music eat good food that's healthy and vibrant spend time with friends (laughs) (laughs) at least talk on the phone or on zoom yeah Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so tell me how you get your balance between action and relaxation. I mean, obviously you're doing a lot with these writing projects. Yeah. Um, well, I tend to, um, you know, like everyone, I guess I, I've learned through experience. Like when I was working on the book of BCs, it was funny. I had, uh, it was a contract. So, you know, I had, signed the book contract and I said I would deliver it in X number of days. And I remember the day that I figured out, oh my gosh, that means I need to write. I really, it's how I'd have to write four hours a day, every day, seven days a week for like, I think it was like two and a half months. <laughs> and I suddenly That's went, oh, I probably should. <laughs> that was a lot. Um, so that was a time of, of pretty much mostly all I did. And I, I still got physically out of shape during that time. Like my body just got discombobulated from too much sitting. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think what I've learned is there's got to be a balance. And so what I try to do now is kind of make a little, a blend of, you know, I do, I walk every day with a friend. Then I also have time where I work with clients. And then I have certain days where I do writing and things like that to try to find this kind of a nice balance between those things. Um, But it's hard. I definitely have a part of me that has an, I have like an inner workaholic. I think that comes from being in medicine all those years and that type A sort of like driven (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be of service um, part of me. But I have to check that. Um, So definitely an ongoing work in, in balance. So tell me a little bit about creativity and the spiritual path. You write about feeling daunted sometimes when the universe gives you four or five ideas. Do you go back into a meditative state? How do you work through the fear? Because I know lots of people right now who are out at this place on their path, 
they've gotten far enough to know they need to make a change and they have lots of ideas about it, but they're kind of feel paralyzed. Yeah. Um, well, what I always try to remember is that you can't make a wrong turn. So I try to pick the idea that feels the most like love, that feels the lightest, that feels the sweetest. Um, sometimes, and how you'll know that is once you start working on whatever the project is, you'll know, like, am I really motivated to do this or is it, is it not, not quite right? Sometimes that's how we discover, oh, it's not this, it's the other thing I want to do. Um, but by taking little actions, that's the best way to begin because usually these things scare us so much, like the idea of writing a book or launching a project or changing jobs or, or finding a new partner. You know, it's like so daunting and terrifying. Will we actually get what we want or will we fail? And so to take really tiny actions so small that your, that your ego won't panic. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, and that message I learned, I learned that from the ants one day when I was trying to like, I wanted to write a book, but I was like, I have no idea how to write a book. And I was just complete in a brain, you know, funk about it. And I watched, it was watching these ants that I noticed. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, ants don't, they're not panicking about building these giant castles, they, you know, which they build these massive ant mounds. They just pick up the one grain of salt and, you know, or one grain of sand, excuse me, and like transport it across the sidewalk. Um, kind of one grain at a time. And that's, I think, kind of how granular and how small we have to get with big changes. So like that day I opened up my laptop and I just wrote the, the title of the book that kept coming to me on a, in a file. And then I just wrote a couple ideas, like, I don't know what stories I wanted to tell. And, and then I closed it up. You know, I didn't, I didn't just try to write 50 pages that day. Um, and so whatever it is you're wanting to start, like start so small, but do something tiny every day towards it. Maybe that's a conversation. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's just doing some website research like on Google or um, just something tiny and see where it takes you. Perfectly said. <laughs> and, you know, obviously <laughs> as you're talking about this, as you're taking these tiny steps, it pushes you through your patterns and blocks. Every time you take a little step, it pushes you through your resistance. And that is really a wonderful thing about the path of the soul. Yes, so and the other really cool thing, oh, I was just going to say, the one really cool thing is once you do start taking those little action steps, the helpers appear, the magical people, the resources you need will show up. And this is, you know, what's been told in every story from, since the dawn of time and the hero's journey, that, you know, the road of trials begins and, it's challenging to take these tiny steps, but as you do, just like Frodo getting the golden ring into the volcano in The Hobbit, you will have these strange people will show up and be like, hey, do you need help writing that book? Because I've got a degree in whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And it never fails. And it's awesome. It is. And you also get the messages. You know, so if you've been sitting around wondering when you were going to get a message, it will be after you complete those tiny tasks. <laughs> And that's important yes. to know. Yes. So yeah. you made what I guess a lot of people would call a detour on the path of your life. I would call it moving in the right direction. For people who are first stepping into that kind of shift, what should they expect? I mean, did you feel like um, 
I don't know. Did you feel like you were just not who you were before? Did you feel more aligned? Did you feel like everything was kind of discombobulated? I was curious about that. Um, it was very scary. It was very unpleasant. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think these things sometimes, um, you know, everybody gets thrown into their chaos. Some people, their house burns to the ground. Other people get served divorce papers or they get fired or they lose all their money. Like in my case, it was more this subtle, subtle, like you can't do this forever. It's going to torture you. You know, it's going to, it's going to kill you to stay at this job. Like not even, Yeah. And so I think whatever it is that's come to change your life and turn it upside down, it's not going to be, it's not going to be pleasant and it's not going to be a lot of fun. So, and I, that's why I wrote my book swimming with elephants because I wanted people to know, like, you're not alone. This is like people go through it's not easy and it's scary because it's the total unknown. You're not sure why it's happening. It feels unfair. It feels like, why isn't anybody else going through this? Um, It can be very isolating um, but at the same time, as I started following this thread of what was interesting me with the shamanic path, I was like, ooh, like, this is amazing. So I was sort of like tortured. And then I would go on a shamanic journey and spend time with my mother bear. And I would come away just being like, oh, wow, like, it's exciting, too. So there's a lot of like, awe, And then there's like, I think, fear. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, because I used to think, now, how can I hear everything that a wolf is saying, which just must be such an accomplishment to receive their thoughts and mm. see and hear these things. And nothing in my life is working right now. I can't seem to do anything <laughs> right. But it passes. Yeah, it does. Because I think it's the As old you... identity falling apart. Yeah, like that's their thing. You have to grieve that old you. Like I didn't think I was attached to being a doctor, but boy, when I thought about leaving my office and I noticed nobody even seemed to care. <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> did care. People were like, oh my God, we're so happy that you found this new path. But people were a lot weren't like, oh my God, what are we going to do without you? You're irreplaceable. Or, you know, it's like our ego wants to know that we mattered. And it's like a little death. So there's a lot of grief involved. It's just like when you, when a, with a divorce, you know, all the dreams, the retirement, the things you were going to do with your grandchildren together, suddenly poof, like it's gone. And you're like, what the heck? And then you start to question everything. Like, who am I? And can I even trust myself? Like if I screwed this up or <laughs> if I ended up here, then how can I trust myself to go forward? So yeah. it's challenging, but there's so much love and support, and the BCs are a wonderful resource for that, I think, if you're feeling lost right now. Yeah, and then I was just going to ask, I'm sure there are lots of answers to this, but just throw out what fits. What is the most valuable thing you've received on your path to the spiritual world? I think the recurring message that I get, <laughs> this is probably different for everybody, but for me is relax Mm -hmm. you know just let go and like just be open to what you know what's happening and sort of trusting that everything's going to be okay Um, because my tendency is to want to like play god micromanage the world like try to figure it out (laughs) with my logical Mm -hmm. mind so i think that's surrender yeah so when I remember to relax or surrender, it's like that's when God can catch you. That's when you notice the praying mantis in your doorframe. That's when 
you know, you, you let go of your belly from being so tense, you drop your shoulders, and you remember that all along, you've always been okay, and this is going to be okay, too. Beautiful message. So, Sarah, please tell us about any upcoming events and where our listeners can find you. You can find me at followyourfeelgood.com, and you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook, where I'm often sharing videos and 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 uh, inspiration every day. And the only event that I have coming up is in Peru in 2021 in May. I have a, well, actually late April and May, we're doing a medicine retreat there um, in the mountains. So if you're curious about that, you can find out details at my website. That sounds so exciting. Thank you so much for being with us. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in today. Um, you can find me at one, I'm Julia Griffin, and you can find me at onetrueself.com, onetrueself.com. So thank you, everyone, for being with us. Have a great week, and I hope to see you soon. Are you ready to awaken to your divine and true potential? Tune in to a Spirited Exchange Radio with me, Carrie Kadambi, every second and fourth Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on transformationtalkradio.com. We discuss the evolution of the modern mind, and how the power of awakening, healing, and connecting allows us to step into living a life of love in action. For more information about me, visit thedivineguidancegift.com. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator, Dr. Monica, each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Julia Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific will take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Tune in to Knowledge Book Radio with host Marge Potasic each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the Golden Age, and it provided the truth and the answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you each week on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information, visit usa.theknowledgebook.net.